This is Zion Hebraic Congregation with me, Luke Tanner. This week's Shabbat message is by my dad, Warren Tanner. It is entitled, What to Do. You can find all of our Shabbat messages wherever you get your podcasts, as well as on our website, ZionHebraicCongregation.com. While you're there, you can sign up for my dad's weekly essays that he writes if you put your email in the subscribe box. And as always, our theme music is by my buddy, Evan Shaw. You can find him at evanshawmusic.com. Enjoy. Hey, mighty warriors arise, yeah. Freedom does lie only away. The soon is the day when we see your face on the mount of your grace and Alrighty, let's go ahead today and turn in our Bibles to 2 Chronicles 20. 2 Chronicles 20. We're going to read uh, chapter, we're going to read the whole chapter of chapter 20, and we're going to go into chapter 21, verse 7. Um, I've entitled this What to Do When You're Afraid and dismayed, and don't know what to do. <laughs> and so, this is just where I am in my reading, uh, in my own time in the morning. And when I read this passage of Scripture, I, I, that's exactly what the way it hit me. Because, I feel every generation says this, but I think for America, in the times in which we are, and prophetically, I think it's, uh, it's it's safe to say or okay to say that that we're we're living in times in which the reality of fulfilled prophecy, along with what is transpiring within the last eight nine months or whatever in our country and around the world, and how it all seems to be dovetailing into what the Bible says eventually has to happen with the man of sin arriving, Antichrist worldwide allegiance to him, along with persecution of the believers or those that stand in opposition of him, to the point where to be able to buy, purchase, or do anything, you have to be in the system, and that system has to be on your hand or in your forehead, and you cannot buy or sell, and if you're not a part of the collective group, you are going to find yourself beheaded and dead. (laughs) That's kind of how I see things right now. And as much as I, at least I feel like I talk brave and talk big and try to encourage all of us, the truth is, myself, I'm feeling a little fear. (laughs) I'm experiencing some dismay and not quite sure how to navigate the new terrain that we are being forced to walk on. Now, my premise is... Oh, I should have brought it. I went over it with Chris and Caitlin. My premise is, whatever answers, and I mean whatever answers, whatever needs, whatever direction God's people need... In any generation, at any time, no matter what is going on, the answer is in the Bible. It's, to, it's there. 
which had got me thinking about my, <laughs> I actually have a picture of Range Randy on my phone, the guy that I used to listen to every day come after school. And, um, and on, on live TV, and one of the songs he sang was, you'll find it in the Bible, you'll find it in the Bible, you'll find it in the Bible so you know it's true. And that has impacted me pretty much more than anything to set me in a direction towards a God-mindedness. And it was just a children's TV show live every day. And, and it, was, it was on 10 years from like, I don't know, 57 to 68 or something. Um, but that song, he had other theme songs that stuck with me. So I grew up lost, not going to church, not even knowing what a Bible was, listening to this guy who I didn't know, never met, on live TV back in the day, telling me that whatever answer I need, it'll be in the Bible, and you'll know it'll be true if you find it. And I had no idea what a Bible was or anything, but that stuck with me. To now, to where, whenever I face things, it doesn't matter what it is, my first thought is, what does God's Word have to say about it? Because the answer's going to be there. Ranger Andy told me so. And I'll find it, and I'll know it's true. And so, I try to look to the Word of God to find out answers. And also, I don't always go looking for the answers, but I have things in my mind. And I have found if you're faithful in reading God's Word regularly, for me anyway, it's almost like, this sounds weird to say, it's almost like God knows what I'm going to be experiencing down the road a little bit, and lo and behold, when I get there, I happen to be there in my reading. It's always been that way for me. Um, it's, it's amazing. So anyway, I find myself in Second Chronicles during a time in which I'm experiencing fear. I'm a lot dismayed, and I don't know what to do as far as fleshing out the next steps in relation to what we're facing. So. With that thought in my mind, I came to 2 Chronicles 20 the next day for my reading. And so let's go ahead and read that. We're going to read 2 Chronicles 20 to 21, 7. Uh, yes. I'm not going to give us a backstory. If you want the backstory, you can read the chapters before this. We're going to pick up kind of the narrative as to how it just is right here, okay? All right, so here we go 2 Chronicles 20. Excuse me, verse 1. It came to pass, after this also, that the children of Moab and the children of Ammon, and with them other beside the Ammonites, came against Jehoshaphat to battle. Then there came some that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side of Syria. And behold, they be in Hazan Tamar, which is Engedi. And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah, they came to seek the Lord. And Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem and the house of the Lord before the new court, and said, O Yehovah God, O Elohim, O Lord God of our fathers, art not thou God in heaven? 
and rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the earth? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? Art not thou our God, who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel, and gave it to the seed of Abraham thy friend forever? And they dwelt therein, and have built thee a sanctuary therein, for thy name, saying, If, when evil come upon us, as a sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, we stand before this house, and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction, then thou wilt hear and help. And now, behold, the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir, whom thou wouldst not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them and destroyed them not. Behold, I say how they reward us to come, to cast us out of thy possession, which thou hast given us to inherit. Oh, our God, wilt thou not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that cometh against us, neither know here, neither know we what to do. But our eyes are upon thee. That's the phrase. Neither know we what to do, but our eyes are upon thee. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives, and their children. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mataniah, a Levite of the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou king Jehoshaphat, Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid, nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but God's. Tomorrow, go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jeruel. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves... Stand ye still, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground, and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korhites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me, O Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem. Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord, and that should praise the beauty of holiness as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they began to sing and to praise, the Lord set ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah. And they were smitten, for the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, 
utterly to slay and destroy them. And when they made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watchtower in the wilderness, they looked into the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves, more than they could carry away. And they were three days in gathering of the spoil of so much. And on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Barakah, for there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the same place was called the Valley of Barakah, or however you say it, unto this day. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem, and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them, to go again to Jerusalem with joy, for the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies. And it came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets unto the Lord, uh, unto the house of the Lord. And the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. So the realm of Jehoshaphat was quiet, for his God gave him rest round about. And Jehoshaphat reigned over Judah. He was thirty and five years old when he began to reign, and he reigned twenty and five years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Azuba, the daughter of Shildi. And he walked in the way of Asa his father and departed not from it, doing that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Howbeit, the high places were not taken away, for as yet the people had not prepared their hearts unto the God of their fathers. Now, the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat first and last, behold, they are written in the book of Jehu, the son of Hanani, who is mentioned in the book of the kings of Israel. And after this did Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, join himself with Ahaziah, king of Israel, who did very wickedly. And he had joined himself with him to make ships to go to Tarshish, and they made the ships in these on Kaber. Then Eliezer, the son of Dodava of Merisha, prophesied against Jehoshaphat, saying, Because thou hast joined thyself with Ahaziah, the Lord hath broken thy word. And the ships were broken, that they were not able to go to Tarshish. Now Jehoshaphat slept with his fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David. And Jehoram, his son, reigned in his stead. And he had brethren, the sons of Jehoshaphat, Azariah and Jehiel and Zechariah and Azariah, or Azariah, and Michael and Shephtiah. All these were the sons of Jehoshaphat, king of Israel. And their father gave them great gifts of silver and of gold and of precious things with fenced cities in Judah. But the kingdom gave he to Jehoram because he was the firstborn. Now, when Jehoram was risen up to the kingdom of his father, he strengthened himself and slew all his brethren with the sword and divers also of the princes of Israel. Jehoram was thirty and two years old when he began to reign, and he reigned eight years in Jerusalem. And he walked in the way of the kings of Israel, like as did the house of Ahab, for he had the daughter of Ahab to wife, and he wrought that which was evil in the eyes of the Lord. Howbeit, the Lord would not destroy the house of David because of the covenant that he had made with David, and as he had promised to give a light to him and to his sons forever. Now, let me just read something to you from the Henry Morris Study Bible, which is a, just a good, brief overview uh, of, of everything. 
let me get to it. Uh, all right, so this is a good note. It goes back to chapter 18, verse 1, where it says, Jehoshaphat had riches and honor and abundance and joined affinity with Ahab. So this is just a great note. And it summarizes everything, gets us up to where we are right now, and then I can give the message. All right. He said, God greatly blessed Jehoshaphat because of his strong spiritual leadership in his kingdom, but he made the sad mistake of yoking himself together with wicked King Ahab and Queen Jezebel of Israel. Furthermore, he continued this alliance with Ahab's son, the the equally wicked King Ahaziah. Jehoshaphat's son and successor Jehoram married Athaliah, the murderous daughter of Ahab and Jezebel. Jehoshaphat's compromise with his pagan colleagues may have been well-intentioned, but it had tragic results. Jehu rebuked him for it, and so did Eliezer the prophet. He almost died when Ahab was killed, and his commercial venture with Ahaziah ended in disaster. The marriage of his son to Athaliah no doubt contributed to Jehoram's decision to slay all his brothers when their father died. Jehoram died eight years later of a loathsome disease, unloved and unmourned. Jehoshaphat was a godly king, but God has warned against believers being yoked together with unbelievers. And the story of Jehoshaphat and his family is a sad illustration of what can happen. Believers today are continually being confronted with the temptations to join with unbelievers, marriage, business, partnerships, religious alliance, and so forth. And such unions are dangerous and often disastrous. So Jehoshaphat's son married Ahab's daughter. (laughs) That's not asking for trouble, and it sure was, because Jehoshaphat's son became loyal to uh, the northern kingdom, killed all his brothers, and uh, took over. Not good. So, I find it so interesting that, you know, somebody can start out so good, make so many mistakes, the children turn out to be a disaster, but yet God used them, blessed them, and they're here for our examples and admonition to learn from. So, I want to look at now, taking away from all of that, getting us away from all that, I want to just address, basically... What to do when you're afraid and dismayed and don't know what to do? Because that's where we are. That's where we're going to find ourselves lots of times. Where we're going to be afraid. It's going to start to overwhelm us. We'll be dismayed. And if we allow those two things to overwhelm us, we're not going to know what to do. Because those two things get in the way of us being... Well, I'm going to preach my message before I get there. All right, so. There's two things to be especially on guard against. The first one is fear. The second one is dismay. First one, and it's going to be real brief, I hope. Fear. All right. Fear is normal. It's natural. And it's okay. We don't have to beat ourselves up or think we're less than spiritual or God's displeased with us if we get afraid. And it's reality because it's one of the things that we're told most frequently in the Bible to be on guard against. Fear not, fear not, fear not. Don't be afraid, fear not, fear not. It's all throughout 
over and over and over. And God recognizes the human equation and the frailty of our flesh to where as much as we know God is real and He lives, Yeshua lives in our hearts, the Holy Spirit it gives us strength and we have His Word to guide us, we still get afraid. And like I said before, I often think if, if I had just walked with the prophets or if I had just seen Jesus, you know, or you know, I would be so strong in my faith I would not be afraid. Well, Peter did a lot of stuff. He walked with Jesus a long time, even walked on the water, braver than any of us. We always beat him up for, for, <laughs> for thinking how many of us would have gotten off. He says, you know, I'm not going to deny you, Jesus, and then he gets afraid and denies Jesus. It's very real. Fear is real, and Satan knows that. When I got saved, I went to, a, this is 73, I'm 19, needing the Bible, uh, I go to the bookstore to get one. It's, it's, you know, it was about a half hour away. They weren't everywhere. And I ended up befriending a, a fellow that, that I met a couple times in the bookstore. And he was already panic-stricken, new believer, if he was saved, but new believer, with the persecution that he was already facing or the, the uh, resistance and pushback he was already facing from family and friends and were co-workers to where it paralyzed him so much that he walked away from, from it all. I, I saw him later, and it had so par- his fear and his dismay had so paralyzed him that he turned his back on it all, at least at that point, and, and, and he, was, he just couldn't go on. It's that real. It is. Fear is that real. I, I'm afraid now every time I go to the store. <laughs> right? I mean, we're feeling that in a little bit of anxiety and angst as if, if, like me, we go to the store and I don't wear a mask. You know, or we go out into society and everybody is masked and we're just walking about or I'm walking about or I'm in the parking lot at work and people are still wearing masks so they haven't made us aware of them in, in, in in the, in the outside of the building, yet there's already co-workers. Oh, he doesn't have a mask. You know, it's, 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 it's a fearful thing to even go to work. You know, and then, anyway, I'm getting off on, on topic here. But all that to say, it's very real, and it's okay, and it's normal. But we cannot let it get the best of us. So we must face our fears and confront our fears. And that's what happens in the first four verses of chapter 20. And in, in, in verse 3, you know, it tells us, And Jehoshaphat feared and set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim a fast throughout all Judah. And, and Judah gathered themselves together. So basically what he is doing is he's recognizing his fear. He has this fear and it's very real because his life is going to possibly really go from pretty good to bad if, if they're overcome by the enemy. And so, but what does he do? He faces it. And he confronts his fear. What does he do? He, it tells us he feared. So, he's, and we'll look at this in a little bit. He set himself to seek the Lord and proclaim the fact. So, he, he, he faced his fears. And we have to do that. We can't. The worst thing to do is make believe. Oh, I'm not afraid, and not address them. 
the worst thing to do is to feel like, well, we can't let anybody else know our fears because they'll think we're not a very strong Christian. That, that's just dumb and stupid and, and it's, a t- I believe, a tool of the devil. We need to be able to come together and say, yeah, you know what, I am afraid. It's okay to be afraid. That's normal. But we have to face our fears and confront them through the Word, with the power of the Holy Spirit. And we'll get to that. All right, so that's the first thing. The second thing is dismay. And it mentions that in verse 15 and 17. Be not afraid nor dismayed. Uh, 17. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves, stand still, uh, and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Jew and Jerusalem. Fear not nor be dismayed. That's the second element. Now, what is being dismayed? What is dismay? It's, it's dismay. This is just me. Dismay is the crippling aspect of fear. It's a sense of being overwhelmed. And the word actually means to be broken down. So so we have fear, but if we don't confront it, if we don't face it, then we will experience the dismay of the whole thing. And that will cripple us, it will overwhelm us, and this is where we'll get broken down. We'll get worn out. We'll get weary. We'll, all of a sudden, and it's happening with people, and I think believers, all of a sudden now, well, you know, yeah, I'll wear a mask now. You know, for, for this reason, yes, now I'll wear a mask. When in reality, we're just getting broken down. Our fears are starting to mount up inside of us, and we're feeling it physically, emotionally, and spiritual. And if we're not careful, we'll do what happened in 1984 where Winston Smith finally at the end says, I love Big Brother! I love Big Brother! Because you have to tell yourself these things to survive mentally or you stay true to the path and you resist and fight even unto death. This is why what Jehoshaphat did is so powerful for us now. Because he did what we need to do. Face our fears and confront our fears and don't let it get to the next step of being dismayed because it will overwhelm you and break you down. And the devil is out to break us down and we know that, you know that. That's his goal, to break us down, society down, us believing down. Now a couple of verses on, on this thing of Dismay, we know them probably. Go back to Deuteronomy, if you want, Deuteronomy 31, or, or I can just read it. But go back to uh, Deuteronomy 31, just, um, just like a couple verses, but to just reinforce this, this whole aspect. Uh, and I'm just gonna, we're just going to read the verse. Well, verse 7. So 31, verse 7 and 8. And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in the sight of all Israel, Be strong! And of a good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither neither forsake thee. So based on everything I'm telling you, Joshua, fear not neither be dismayed. I love the fact that there's a coupling of fear and dismay. This is, this is not a mistake. The two go together. All right, turn up to Joshua, 
chapter 1, and you guys know this one. Um, Joshua, probably have memorized it. Joshua 1, uh, let's see. Let's start at verse 6. Be strong and of a good courage. For unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the Torah which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the Torah shall not depart out of thy mouth but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. Here it is. Have not I commanded thee, be strong and of a good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed, for the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. And then just one more, chapter 10. Chapter 10. And just, it reiterates it. We'll just read the verse, 1025. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not. He had a good teacher. He listened to his teacher Moses. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of a good courage. For thus shall the Lord do to all your enemies against whom you fight. So, this, this is a common theme. Fear and dismay. Fear and dismay. Fear and dismay. And nobody chides anybody for being afraid or dismayed. We're just warned to not let our fears get us to the point we, where we are overwhelmed and cannot think. Because dismay is the crippling aspect of fear. It's a sense of being overwhelmed and eventually broken down. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Be strong. See, everybody, the Bible constantly recognizes the need to be engaged in battle. The problem is we've lived in America, grown up in Americanized Christianity, and we are all Fat and out of shape. Spiritually, intellectually, we cannot think logically based upon the Word of God because we have been basically through our preachers behind the Bible dumbed down in what the Bible says because we're preaching philosophy, we're, we're preaching uh, 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 just philosophy, I can't think of the rest of it. Self-help. You know, it's, it's, it's like you're going to the therapist when you go to church. You know, I'm listening to Lester Roloff this morning. He's praying, say, God, I'm not going to apologize for what I have to say. Sometimes the message isn't so palatable, so, but, but it's still powerful, and, and I am going to preach the Word of God. We've got away from that. And so, oh boy. <laughs> so it, we want to say the world and its philosophy has prepared us as God's people for this. I want to say it's equally, if not worse, the preachers have let us down and not prepared us. Because we've really been enjoying this good ride we've been on here. <laughs> we've really been enjoying this. This is great. Woohoo! And, and our, our conception of biblical Christianity has been drawn for us 
in America that's not had to suffer persecution and in churches that have not had to stand for their faith. So, welcome to where we are. All right, now, we're going to wind this up. I have five action steps. What to do. So, what to do when you're afraid and dismayed and don't know what to do. What are we supposed to do? I'm going to give you five action steps. And there's more in this. You can come up with your own. I just want to set you in a direction. All right, go back to Second Chronicles 20 if you're not there. And I want to take them just right from where we are. And what I'm wanting you to see is I've come up with my own answers for my own fears and dismays. i got to still work them out. It's all right here and where I was reading my devotions. I didn't go read it from anywhere else. I mean, I did see his introductory note there on, on, on all of that. The overview note, it was wonderful. This I did. This you can do. And I don't want to hear, if I'm being picked up well in recording, and I wish more people would, I don't want to hear any more from our people stupid stuff. I don't want to be hearing from us our own biblical illiteracy anymore. I don't want to hear none of us have any clue as to anything about anything. And the reason we don't have a clue like I think we should should have, the purpose of an assembly is to come together as a body of believers who have been walking with God throughout the week, meeting with Him, and then we come together as our collective, biblically, and we then contribute to each other biblically out of what God has given us in His Holy Word. This is the point of it. This is not a club. This is not we come and feel good. This is we are in the Lord's army. We're engaged in a battle. We've been beat up all week, and we need somebody to hug on us a little bit, pat us on the back, tell us it's okay, and then say, all right, got to get back at it. Here's what I learned this week. This is what God told me. That's the point. All right, now. I don't know how I even got up with that. Oh, this is what I came up with myself. All right, so five action steps. All that to say, you can do it too. You can find the answers too. They're there for you. If you don't read the Bible, I can't help you. All right, first off, number one. This is verse three. Jehoshaphat feared and did two things. He set himself first, and then he sought the Lord. He set himself I love that. This is where this is so cool. I mean, it's the same. Okay, Warren, you know, step back. Yes, you have fears. What do you do? Ah, set yourself. I just thought that was good. We need to set ourselves to seek the Lord. Set. That simply is trying to get across to us this. To calm oneself to the point of being able to think and reason clearly. That's what it means. When he, in the midst of his fear, he set himself. What did he do? He calmed himself to the point of being able to think and reason clearly. That's the first thing we need to do. Oh, I'm afraid, I'm afraid, I'm afraid. Calm down. Get a hold of yourself. So that then you can begin to think and reason clearly. Because if we, it's interesting. It says on the Sermon Mount that Jesus. Oh, how does it say it? Don't turn. But this is this. I think so instructive, and it's something we just walk right over. 
And seeing the multitudes, Yeshua went up into a mountain, and when he was set, I preached on this at Camp Maranatha uh, at the men's meeting, and it's like, I, I don't know anything about anything. And I, this was so weird, it came up to me, and some of these guys, I'd never met them, the pastors, but well, you remind us a lot of John MacArthur. Oh, I think well, that's pretty good, but I'm nowhere near him. But I just broke down this verse of what our responsibility is as preachers from the model of Yeshua. You see, you have to be able to see the multitudes. You have to be in the people, amongst the people. You have to have the multitudes around you first off if we as preachers are going to be able to, or Christians, to have any effect. I don't want to preach the whole thing, but it just struck me. He went up into a mountain when he was set. And I could just see that. Everybody's eyes are expectant. There's a lot of people there in the, at the mount, and they're watching him. I know because as a preacher, I'd walk into church, people would be there, all eyes just have, are on the preacher, and they just follow him until whenever. It's amazing. <laughs> he just learned to ignore it. But Jesus shows up on the scene, and all eyes are on him, and he sets down, he sets himself. That dramatic pause where everybody's in expectation. And now he has them where he wants them. And then he can speak and hope they will listen with reason and logical, make logical conclusions. So anyway, he said himself, this is very important. It's very important. This is why George Mueller said he learned after 12 years of doing it, he finally wrote in his autobiography, that when he reads the Bible, he will stop, meditate upon words, pray over words, don't just keep reading the words, but think about the words. I don't do this always. It's, it's always when it seems to hit, and that's what happened this week. It's like, Jehoshaphat feared. Oh, thank you, God. This guy, this guy feared, I'm afraid too. So what, I wonder what he did. He set himself. What the heck does set himself? And this is my own thought. Set, this is me. I'm thinking, what does it mean it's set, to set oneself? To, set you, to calm oneself to the point of being able to think and reason clearly. Ha <laughs> ha! You can do this. All right, so I'm dragging this on. So he set himself. So step one, we're still in this. Uh, we need to set ourselves to seek the Lord. Set. Seek the Lord. Now, how do we seek the Lord? We're not going to look at verses. I'll give you the verses. Oh, yeah, well, I'll just tell you where they are because we were in. All right. So as I'm thinking about this, well, how do we seek the Lord? What am I learning in this passage here? Well, first of all, you seek the Lord in the Word. Now, that's assumed in the context. In other words, God's given us this story for us in His Word so that we can then go to the source, His Word, to find out how do we seek Him. We seek the Lord through His Word. Part of the problem with Christianity is we've been taught to seek the Lord through our feelings and our emotions. And that, that we'll know when God is meeting with us if we have this warm, fuzzy, or this tingly, or some emotional thing going on. We've been taught that when we come for, for Shabbat services or we go to church, we, it, it needs to be an emotional experience. So we're going to sing emotional praise songs. We're going to have emotionally elaborate messianic praise worship. We, we're going to... We, we've been taught that we need to touch the emotions, and the emotions are the reality. And now we're at the point where if Christians go to church and there's no emotional thing happening, they don't feel good and experience this dynamic thing, or if we go to a Messianic fellowship and we haven't been wowed by the waving of the banners and all the, we'll do everything, and, and oh, it just feels so Jewish. That's why I'm, I'm saying to you, 
The world has philosophy has tried to get the world away from thinking reason and, and re, thinking reasonably, and and they focus on emotion to where now we don't reason anymore in our country. We are all led based on our emotions, and that's what's happened to the church. So we, my point of all that was, we get what we need verified from the Word of God. Period. If we come to fellowship and we have an emotional experience, wonderful. It, church, that's fine. I'm not saying we shouldn't have that. But we don't come from that. It's got flipped over. And that's why we can't preach the Word of God anymore, just the Word of God, and even preach it for uh, you know 45 minutes while people just kind of losing it. I, I refuse to go to that. I think reading the Word of God and hearing the Word of God preached I don't know anything more emotional than that. But it's, it's, more of, it's less of a feeling of emotion, of a core emotion where God is taking his word with that sharp sword and, and you feel that emotion. And the Holy Spirit says, wow, you're hurt, aren't you? Let me come and heal you up. Here's the bomb. Here's the band-aid. Ah, it's wonderful. All right, anyway. First off, how do you seek the Lord? In the Word. Second of all, through prayer. That's verses 5 through 13. So he offers up this big prayer to God. I don't know if it's extemporaneous. I don't know if he wrote it down. But I mean, I got a feeling this is kind of just extemporaneous coming out of his heart as he's talking to God. And then the third thing in seeking the Lord is accepting godly counsel. And that's what happens in 14 through 19. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, and he says, Hearken all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and you king. I love that. He goes right to the king. He's not afraid of talking to the government. No, government, you need to hear this. You need to hear what the Torah says. Like it or not. And if you don't like it, it's to your own demise. Obey and you'll do well. So, Jehoshaphat, don't have your son marry Ahab's daughter, wicked alliance. And didn't you learn the first time when you went out to battle and almost got killed, now you want to meet up with that side again and build ships? What the heck are you thinking? So you have to accept godly counsel. So that's how you seek the Lord. In His Word, through prayer, and accept godly counsel. Right, that's the first action step. Second action step, move out in faith. And we won't read the verses, but that's verses 20 through 25. And that's what they did. They go to battle. Early in the morning, they went forth into the wilderness, and they go out there, and they obey God. They moved out in faith. So you, we have to set ourselves to seek the Lord, as we're doing that, then we have to move out in faith. That's the second one. Third one. Then we are to bless, praise, and honor the Lord before, during, and afterwards. That's verses 26 to 30. Bless, praise, honor the Lord before. In other words, I think that's why I think Jehoshaphat could pray as he was, because there was something going on ahead of all this in him. Bless, praise, honor the Lord before, during. This is what he did. He came to God in prayer. And afterwards, they went forth, saw what God did, came back, and um, that's verses 26 to 30, and he just praised God. Look what God did. All right. Fourth one. This is uh, verses 31 through 37, and it's, it's really powerful because we won't read it again, but you can read it again. The, the fourth one is stay vigilant and on guard to not get tripped up in the future. This is when we're the most vulnerable, when we are 
right after God's done something really big in our life, we've had a victory over something, we've seen God's hand move on our behalf, we've experienced some sort of deliverance, God's just really moved in. And we've been through this difficult time, and then it's like, oh man, this is great. That's when we are the most vulnerable, because that's when we are almost the most let down and easily attacked. And this is what happens with this poor guy. So the fourth thing is, after all of this, and you see what God does, stay vigilant and on guard to not get tripped up in the future. And then the last one, and that gets us in the 21, 1-7, where his son comes to power after him, kills all his brothers, and just turns everything into a, a humongous disaster. So what's the fifth one? Don't let the next generation go to hell. That's what the Shema is all about. That's why I'm saying we, we, we're tripping up even over the Shema, which we say every, every time we get together, how that we're supposed to pass all this on to the next generation and be intent and, and earnest about it because if not, it's going to unravel in the next generation just like it did with the son after Jehoshaphat. And if you read through Kings and Chronicles, that's exactly what happens. Over and over and over. Yeah. Doing good. Sometimes there's a good son. There's a dip. Then there's another offspring. And there's this constant up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. Well, you know what? The up and downs we're reading about are us. We're up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. You know what? That's okay. Just remember when you're up to not get too confident. And when we're down, to not stay there too long. That's how you get through all this. Win the victory, get up on top, be careful, realize you're not going to be able to hang out there, and then when you get down to the bottom again, that's all right. Just don't stay there. You know, I, I, I've mentioned before, that the fellow in my church came up to me and said, Pastor, how the heck, what do we do? How do we keep going? I said, all I know to do is put one foot in front of the next. And I said, I've been doing that as long as I've been saved. One foot in front. Keep progressing with God for God. You keep going. You keep going. And here's the thing. You're not going to always feel like going. What keeps me going when I don't feel like it? The Word of God. The Word of God trumps feelings. Not that we don't have feelings, but I don't always feel it. I don't always feel like it. So don't let the next generation go to hell. So, that's it. What to do when you're afraid and dismayed and don't know what to do? Realize fear is normal, but we have to face it and confront our fears. Realize that dismay is a crippling aspect of fear. If we let it get the best of us, it will break us. And we're repeatedly told not to let that happen. And then... What do we do? How do we proceed? Well, we need to set ourselves to seek the Lord, move out in faith, bless, praise, and honor Him before, during, and afterwards. Stay vigilant and on guard to not get tripped up in the future. And realize you have a responsibility to stay faithful to God for the next generation that sits right here in front of us. Let's pray. So, Father, I thank You for Your Word. I hope I wasn't too hard and powerful and yelling and all that. 
But anyway, it is what it is. It is your word. The Holy Spirit's big enough to remove me from it. Father, I just love, I thank you that you give me passages like this at the moment I need them. And how this has been such a help to me where I am right now. Doesn't mean I got it all together. Doesn't mean I'm not getting afraid and at times still dismayed and kind of can't think logically. But I have something now to come back to. A mooring. A foundation, a base of operation, so to speak, to remember what Jehoshaphat did and, and the steps that he took and, and how fragile it all is if we don't stay vigilant. We'll make wrong decisions and we will set a wrong pattern for the next generation. So, Father, work in our hearts. I'm asking that you work first and foremost in us to have a hunger and a desire to thirst after righteousness. That meaning that we will be like George Mueller did, revolve our whole life around our time of reading your word daily. And it has to come down to that. And I believe that's why it's not there. And I thank you for showing me that in George Mueller's autobiography. Gosh, 40 years ago, what he did. He revolved. Nothing got in the way of his time to meet with you in the morning and it just spoke to me how he made sure he went to bed on time he would leave where he was and he, he said nope I have to meet with God and he, he said going to bed from 10 to 4 to get up at 4 in the morning and he lived his life for 4 o'clock in the morning that so helped me so Father help us to live our life for our own 4 o'clock quote-unquote times with you because unless we do we're dead dead in the water and it's hopeless and uh, we're, we're personally headed for some disastrous time but corporately as a body of believers headed for some difficult times because the only the shield of faith the sword of the spirit those are our weapons it's a spiritual warfare we're not we're not fighting for our country or against our country, though that's part of it. We are trying to fight for the cause of Yeshua and stay faithful to our Constitution, the Word of God. And we need your help to do that. And uh, I, th- I think the strength is found in your Word to do that. In Yeshua's name, amen. Hey, mighty warriors arise. Oh